Welcome to Job Sharing and Beyond, the future of work podcast that goes beyond the traditional nine to five. I am Karen Tischler, speaker, consultant, and host of the show, where we hear from global experts every other week to discover innovative solutions and tips on how to remain a relevant employer in the future. Hello, everyone. I am super appreciative to introduce such an international guest today, Ariane Vera. Ariane was born in 1994 in Munich with German and Argentinian roots, studied international relations and English literature at the University of Aberdeen in Scotland and Trinity College Dublin in Ireland. She has been involved in the startup scene, working in PR and communications and writing for digital platforms and magazines on the topic of women empowerment, gender equality, new work and entrepreneurship. She has given three TEDx talks, won the Welcome to Europe song contest and carried her music and message to the European Parliament during the European Youth Days in 2018. In Mexico, Ariane hosted a show at the state's radio station in cooperation with the Global Goals by the United Nations. She has been involved in Girl Up as an ambassador and founded Fridays for Future in Aguas Calientes in Mexico. Whilst her engagement and work has been tied much to the promotion of the sustainable development agenda, she now closed that chapter, embarking on the next new step, which is more focused on fostering connection and communication, promoting women and leadership behavior, advocating for new work and physical, emotional, mental and spiritual well-being at the workplace. Ariane is a self-published author and enjoys her leading and mentoring role as head of marketing communications at a digital marketing agency in Aguas Calientes in Mexico. She's currently working on her second book, co-founding a coffee business, continuing to perform and collaborate in the music industry and business and founding her own business in the area of coaching and personal development. She is a firm believer in the power of kindness and empathy and envisions a future in which each and every being is respected for their most authentic version of themselves. Welcome to the show, Ariane. Thank you very much for having me. I am very excited and I'm super happy to be here. Thank you. So am I. And we have listeners from all over the world. Could you tell them where are you calling in from and what type of food or particular site in your area is something they could be um, looking at or eating when they come towards your area? Right. So I am sitting in Aguas Calientes, which is in the center of Mexico. And I don't know if coffee counts as food. Sure, sure. <laughs> um, I'm definitely a big coffee lover and coffee is something that I've come to experience more and understand a lot more here in Mexico. So I think I would probably go for coffee, Mexican coffee. <laughs> that sounds really very tasty. And to be honest, I'm right here, you know, always with Drinking my coffee. coffee. <laughs> yeah. 
you know, Ariane, your educational and professional background is really, really fascinating. When I was doing my research, it's so diverse and it involves so many countries. So could you give our listeners an overview, please? You know, I love that you say it's diverse because I've heard people say it's chaotic. And <laughs> there is now, you know how Germans always look for like a red thread and like a line and you just can't find that in my <laughs> resume. So I like the phrase or like the word diverse. Um, I was born in Munich and spent my childhood in Munich. And then when I was 12 years old, we moved to Stuttgart where I graduated from high school. And I did my undergrad degree in Aberdeen at the University of Aberdeen, just at the coast um, in Scotland with an Erasmus semester in Dublin at Trinity College. And I studied international relations and English literature. And being um, a student of English literature, studying in Dublin has been one of the best experiences in my life because when you're reading Oscar Wilde and then you walk down the street and you see the house where he has been born or you see um, the buildings that have inspired him to write something. And I was living just down the road of the house where Bram Stoker was born and it felt like diving into in between the pages of a book. So that's definitely an experience that I that I enjoyed a lot. Then after graduating from Scotland, I moved back to Germany and shortly after I moved to, to Mexico where I'm still based at. That's my Ow. background. That is, it is, yeah, it is so fascinating. And um, I recently had one of my guests, Eva O'Brien, who is from Ireland. Oh, yes. that's yes. so cool. <laughs> <laughs> so um, now you are an author and a songwriter in multiple languages. And so could you sort of share your, you know, multicultural experiences and how that has influenced you? Yeah, I, I really like the question. And I think that I would put it in two, into two phrases because I think that my multiculturality has shaped my experience. Um, and since forever, um, Latin America has been my home and it's never been something that's far away. Um, since forever, I knew that there is nothing like normal because what my dad would see as normal, my mom would say as it's not really normal. Um, and it starts with the small things or maybe the definition of punctuality. There is no normal, there is no normal being on time. Um, so it all, it all is a matter of perspectives. And that is something that has been a part of my experience um, from early on and something that I really enjoy because I think it has given me some kind of empathy and openness um, and and stick stay away from categories and putting people into boxes, but instead just like really feeling empathy and, and listening to their stories and their perspectives. It is so interesting because just today I was, you know, reading about stereotypes and how also when talking to my guests from different countries, how different you know, especially when we look at gender equality and um, gender stereotypes, how differently things are perceived. And you look at paternity leave, how in one country it is very normal versus in other countries, it's simply not heard of. And that then perpetuates in, you know, the work environment and how people are in general perceived. So it's really interesting that, you know, you already basically growing up had that multiple um, perspective and 
you know, so now you've done quite a few TEDx talks, which I was very impressed with. And so could you explain like one of them um, where, you know, as you just described the different perspectives of not just living in different countries, but how maybe the same company might, because of the environment, look at things differently? Yeah, it's so interesting you're asking this. And I think I'm going to take the example of coffee. Well, mm -hmm. going back to, to the TEDx talk, I was just coming back from a stay in Mexico for five weeks. And then I went back to Germany and I experienced the culture shock, but backwards. Um, you're probably familiar with it as well. <laughs> and it's a great experience because you see everything that you have been seeing as familiar is something you see from the outside. And that just makes you think a lot. Um, but I'm going to take the, 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 the example of coffee um, because I think it shows perfectly well that we're all connected, but sometimes we fail to see the connection. And talking about coffee is not the same in a country that produces coffee as it is in a country or in a state that consumes coffee. And Mexico is amongst the 10 um, producing the 10 countries that most produce coffee in the world. It's an excellent coffee. We're in place number one um, of um, organic coffee exports. And on the other hand, Germany um, is where all the coffee arrives um, and is exported within the European Union. And Germany is one of the countries that most consumes coffee in the world. Um, so I had the chance to see how coffee grows um, and I was talking to coffee producers and I saw the coffee plants that were affected by climate change. And on the other hand, I had all the experiences in Germany um, where I sometimes had debates uh, on why buy fairly traded coffee. And sometimes people would say, well, I'm not choosing it because it costs a little bit more. But hey, you can really make a difference if you pay one euro, two euros more. So I also noticed that it's not really, I think we like to see it as a chain. It's not a chain, it's a circle and everybody is part of that circle. Um, and I think we, we should just be more open-minded to seeing that circle and to giving the visibility that all the hands that work with coffee and are part of producing coffee um, get more visible. I, I think that's such an important aspect. Yeah. that. Because, you know, often one just sees one part of it. And in your case, you had a chance to see everything. And now that brings me to my next question. So you're part of the world's largest lesson, which introduces sustainable development goals to young people all over the world. So I'm a big um, supporter of, you know, the, the number five goal, gender <laughs> equality. And so I'm curious, so how did you get involved in that campaign? It's a very funny story. And I think it's a perfect example of how sometimes you just have to do things and you can be thinking about what, why would you do this? And like, what, what will you get out of it? No, you just need to do the things that you feel you need to do. Um, I had just come back from Uganda and from Chiapas and I had seen climate change and the effects of climate change and I thought it doesn't matter where I travel to or well, there's always going to be a story of like it used to be but now it is <laughs> and like climate change is everywhere um, and I wanted to do something um, and that was also the time when Fridays for Future was starting um, and I, I'm not really the type of person that goes to the streets to 
to demonstrate or to I'm not really an aggressive person I really believe in the message of kindness of empathy and of um yeah of not judging but like sharing a message from a place of love so I took my guitar um it was on the 5th of July 2019 I still remember that it was a Friday <laughs> I walked uh, to the city center with my guitar and a sign that read um I'm singing because I want us to take care of the planet um and I started singing and there was a lot of people coming and, and we had great conversations and then that became a movement and I went to the city center to sing every single Friday and that's how I met a lot of people who were involved in in sharing the same message and I got to know the representative of the United Nations here in Aguascalientes and we bumped into each other at the radio I had been there for an interview and she had an interview after me and she said you know I really like how you approach the topic and we have this radio show and I think you should have you should be part of it and I said, yes, <laughs> I still remember being super scared and thought, oh, like it, it's really hard for me sometimes to, to sit on the stage and speak Spanish because I feel so afraid of saying something wrong. I'm so scared still of the double meaning. And I'm just like, oh, <laughs> I wish I could just sing because then I can't make mistakes. But I knew it was ready. I was ready. And I think opportunities come when you are ready. You're never going to feel ready, but you are ready. Um, and then you just say yes. And I could never have planned that. And um, it, it was a beautiful outcome, but I, I never went to the streets to sing with the goal in mind. Um, and then I ended up there for the, at the radio station recording um, the stories of people that have projects related to sustainability here in, in Aguascalientes in Mexico. And I, I really enjoyed the experience. And thank you. Could you share maybe an example of one of the conversations you had there? Yeah. Um, I think one of my favorite projects was a natural cosmetic brand and it, um, the, the founder, she started in her living room and <laughs> making, making experience with her own soaps because she loves making soaps, but she also loves taking care of the planet. And she thought, okay, like I'm just going to combine those two interests of mine and I'm going to make natural soaps. Um, and she became very successful. So she moved from the living room to, <laughs> to the kitchen, to the bathrooms everywhere until her husband told her like, no, you need <laughs> your own store because you can't turn the house into your production um, company. Um, and I loved her story because it shows how with your with the things that bring you joy you really can make a difference and you don't have to invent something super big you just have to follow your joy and i really believe in following your joy and, and making a difference by following your joy i i i couldn't agree more that's <laughs> i'm having this conversation now because i feel it is so important to get voices from all around the world and you know to make a difference and to basically let people know that maybe in different countries there are already things that are happening that are best practice that other countries simply have not heard about or are not doing so totally and also it's in the context because selling natural cosmetics here is not the same as selling natural cosmetics in Germany and why bring something from one place to another if there already is something like why not support what is there I, I completely agree with you. And so now you are, I don't know, I, you know, from an age perspective, I guess you are a either a very young millennial or a nearly Gen Z. 
Um, I don't even know. I'm 26. Maybe you can tell me what I am. <laughs> I was looking. I was literally looking it up and I sort of felt, I, I believe maybe the Gen Z is maybe, I think it was 24. So I felt you were sort of like right there in the middle. <laughs> so what I was really curious because, um, you know, I find it is very important to look at future generations and what sort of work-life balance and the sort of expectations are. And so as I have you here, I thought I'll just ask you and see what, you know, <laughs> what your impression or what your goals are. And also from other people, you know, friends, family in a similar generation, what are you aspiring for? Well, that might sound a little silly maybe, but my goal really is to be able to catch a flight whenever it's my parents' birthday and eating cake with them. That was my number one goal. And from very early on, I um, understood that the traditional work structures don't really work for me. Also related to what I'm doing because I, well, I am an artist and I am a creative and that for me are very, two very different things and I'm working differently being a creative or being an artist. And as an artist, I need space. And sometimes I have an idea and I need to work on that idea. Um, and, and I don't, I, I, I really suffer if there's a, if there's a very strict structure. Um, and also because I've started working with my laptop, being in Scotland or being in Argentina, working for a German company, um, I just didn't understand why it wasn't possible to, to work from home or to work remote or to take my laptop to a cafe and just work there. Um, so I think I've been a little bit spoiled because that's <laughs> how I got to know the work environment, just like my laptop and I can work from wherever I want to, wherever I feel comfortable, wherever I feel inspired. Um, I have been working in an office in Frankfurt um, and it was a great team. It was a great company, but I was suffering incredibly much because it was the typical nine to five schedule with one hour of lunch break and I felt I, I'm not even I'm not even feeling inspired. I'm just tired. I'm just burnt out. I came home and was crying. I had panic attacks. I hated Sunday evenings, and I promised myself that I would I would never allow anything like that to happen again. And when I moved to Mexico, I, I just knew I'm not going to accept any job that's going to make me feel like this again. Um, I don't want to hate Sunday evenings. I don't want to wake up on a Monday hating the week. I want to wake up and feel happy about the day that I'm going to live. And, and I think now the pandemic, it's been a blessing and a curse in many ways, but I think it's been a blessing looking at the work structures because when earlier on people would have said, well, home office is not really possible. Now we, we had to, and it is totally possible. And there might be people saying, well, no, I, I prefer working in an office or maybe I prefer both and I just need more flexible times or whatever. But I think we understood that different types of working models are possible and structures. And I, that really gives me a lot of hope. Thank you. Yes. I mean, it, it's, it's so interesting to see how something, you know, overnight pretty much can change the entire work dynamic. And, and now I feel we are at the, the sort of the next um, situation where I keep reading about, is it going to be going back, back full time to an office building or is hybrid the um, answer? And then if it were hybrid, how is it actually going to look in sort of in a more detailed fashion? Is it anybody can come and go and say, I'm making this up, 
has one or two days per week where they're in the office or does it have to be structured? And then also, how does one ensure that there is no discrimination against somebody who for a multitude yes. of reasons cannot go back to work at this point in time because you know whether that is health care health situation or the child uh, in care or you know caregiving situation because each country or each region within a country could be very different it's so important you mentioned that because i read a research paper on how um in academia there has been discrimination especially in academia um of women because all the care work has been falling on their shoulders and they could prove that more men have been publishing than women um, and they created the connection and I think it's very important to well always whatever you do whatever decision you were taking especially if you were in a position of a lot of responsibility create spaces of belonging and invite all the perspectives um, because otherwise the result is always going to be discrimination in some in some kind yeah i mean i i completely agree and it's sort of um often i feel when i read articles it basically equates a mother with the care worker and i feel that in itself perpetuates the stereotype and so i strongly try to use the word parent rather than mother because at the end of the day from all of my father advocates who have spoken to me i think the biggest myth is really that people you know is also male you know um people think that they might not be able to do care working as well as maybe a mother which couldn't be more from the truth but there aren't at this point enough role models in most countries. In some countries, there are more than in others. So I feel we need to create that because if I'm a junior manager and I don't see any senior leader who happens to be male to talk about his, um, you know, skills they learn from caregiving or that they are going and leaving early because they're saying, I am watching somebody's piano recital well how would they know right yeah um we're we're all biased and we need to face that and even if you're a feminist you're still biased because you grow up in a biased world and i think we also have to take a look at how we define masculinity and if we don't allow men to feel and if we don't allow men to be vulnerable then nothing is going to change um, and you might be a feminist and you might be very convinced of and or like speak up, up for women empowerment, but if your best male friend is crying and you're not validating the emotions or you're looking down on him, nothing is going to change. So we also need to start a debate on how we define masculinity and just break those old patterns. I, I completely agree. Now, as you are currently in Mexico, I'm curious, do you know of either an organization or company where you feel they are really doing an excellent job of like, you know, maybe with care work or with flexible work that, you know, allows people to feel more equal, regardless of whether or not, you know, they have other responsibilities outside of the office? 
Generally, small businesses um, and the environment that I've been moving around, there's a lot of conscious and a lot of um, effort. Um, I am now working uh, in social media for um, and a digital marketing agency. And I also feel it's like a super flexible and very conscious working environment. Um, and I really like that because you're bringing that out to the world. And it's not just within, but like also the clients that you're working with and you're just taking that with you. That, that sounds great. Now, you know, one other thing in my research that I found is that you are involved with Girl Up, an initiative by the UN Foundation. So could you share a bit more what that is? Girl Up is, yeah, as you said, an initiative by um, the United Nations. And it's, I think you could say like UN women, but more focused on girls. And I am involved as an ambassador. And especially before the pandemic, I used to, well, attend a lot of events and uh, be the singer songwriter of Girl Up, Roscalientes. <laughs> um, now recently, I uh, to be honest, I haven't done a lot. I haven't been very involved, um, but I, I feel that all the girls that are part of this, it's, priceless how they get the access to networks how they get the access to different perspectives and if it's teenage girls and it's such a crucial age um, and you connect them with female founders then that is changing their perspective and their their view on what is possible um and i really enjoyed seeing that and just like taking the group of, of teenage girls to to different companies here and and just like broadening their horizon and like giving them some guidance and showing them hey it's possible and I I am very aware of the privilege that that I have and that, that I had growing up in Germany and now I think well I'm not a teenager anymore and I, I think that I also have some kind of responsibility to to share my knowledge to share also um, the things that I've overcome and and the mindsets that I have had access to and that have helped me um and and to share the life lessons as well i don't know i've been suffering from eating disorders for a very long time and this is something that um, i see always coming up in some kind of way when you're talking to girls or to women and i think if i am a singer songwriter and if i have an instagram account and if i'm um in some way have a public role then i would like to use that in, in the most responsible way possible Thank you. I, you know, I really appreciate that you are sharing that so openly. So thank you. And, you know, one thought as you were just talking about supporting girls so they might have more mentors. One of the things when um, I was reading the State of the World's Father's Report that I found really interesting was that it they didn't see any type of um, boy-focused initiative towards leading them towards carer or education professions versus, you know, we hear, and I don't know, to be honest, I don't know what it is like in Mexico, but here I hear a lot of, you know, STEM-focused initiatives for girls. Mm -hmm. But even here I in Canada, I yeah. have yet to hear something on a, like, school basis that says, you know, boys come and, you know, look at care and education um, jobs for you for the future. I, I haven't. And so I'm curious, is there anything like that 
in Mexico that you have encountered for boys that they are maybe, you know, getting more knowledge about it or, you know, and I don't, again, I don't know what it is like, but um, like, you know, preschool teachers or elementary school teachers here, for example, are predominantly female. And, and you know, and it, again, it's like, you know, having no male role models perpetuates that because, you know, I'm a little boy of three or four years old. I don't necessarily see a male preschool teacher. So it might not even occur to me that that is possible or for the parents of the child, right? Yeah, um, I've been working in a, in a primary school for half a year mm -hmm. as a, well, math teacher, but in German. Okay, okay. <laughs> and same situation. Um, I think it, there were one or two men, the rest female teachers. Um, and yeah, I think it's just a narrative that we all have to break in some kind of way because the, the words that we use have a strong power. Um, the the language we use, even some kind, some small comments. It might be something as if, if a boy is crying and we say, hey, nothing happens, uh, go play with the others. But then if a girl is crying, we're just treating the girl differently. Um, I think we as adults have a a big responsibility in, in, in having a good look at what are the words that we use, what are the biases that, that we have, and then change that. Because I also remember, you're probably familiar with the girls' day and the boys' day yes. uh, in yes. Germany. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So, okay, great initiative, but <laughs> the flyers that they handed out were pink and blue. And my sister, she was 12 years at that time, she went up to the school's principal <laughs> and she said, I really like the initiative, but I don't agree with the colors. I think it should be yellow and green. <laughs> right. And they changed it. Oh, wow. comment. Yeah. So I think it really, you have to, if you notice something, if you notice some kind of discrimination, just say it and you don't have to say it in an aggressive way Just say it. Hey, I think, I think we biased here. I think we could have a better look at it and we underestimate the power that we have. It's maybe a random example, but <laughs> I just, um, I bought a vegan pesto from a very big supermarket chain in the US. Um, and it said, we recommend it to chicken and fish. And I thought, well, that's a bit weird, you know, like having vegan pesto and recommending it to chicken and fish. And I posted it on Instagram just because I had such a good love. And then the marketing department wrote me and said, you know, maybe you could send us a photo of the label because we're going to change it. This is just an example of a pesto, but this is the power that you have. Yeah. You just need to post an Instagram story and tag someone um, and you can change something. You can change something with the words that you use, with the decision that you take, by speaking up, by reaching out to people, by knocking on doors. Don't underestimate your power. Thank you. I think that is such an important message. And yes, I, I, I completely agree. It's like there have been, you know, as we're going back to the, you know, Fridays for Future, like when we look at Greta, right, what she started as one person. Yes, yes, yes. And now as you are in Mexico, I was just thinking about it. So in Germany, because of the way the German language is, there is this big aspect of being able to be more inclusive by, you know, using gendered um, nouns. And so I'm curious because I guess, you know, in Spanish you have also um, that possibility. Is that something that you have seen happening here? 
Yeah, absolutely. It's yeah, it's a big debate. Um, I have a good friend who's quite a famous or well-known author in uh, Mexico, and he hates <laughs> the gender inclusive message. And I had a debate with him going on for two hours because I explained to him. Well, I mean, he knows the power of words, but still, it was like, look. I'm a woman, you're a man, you just need to understand it's important. <laughs> Please listen to me. Um, and then we, we agreed that something has to be done, but it, it, it just doesn't look nice. So there's, there's several versions. Either you use, for example, los y las, which would be female and male. But then there's the argument that it's still not inclusive because gender is a spectrum. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just not cool to say los y las because then you're excluding someone else. Right. So you can either uh, do a dash okay or um a star um or an x um and when i was writing my book it was very important because it's about love and it was very important for me to at least show that that i try to make an effort i know it's not the perfect solution but so i used i switched between male and female just to make the female version more common or quote unquote mm -hmm. normal mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I star behind so and then I explained in the beginning that well love is love and every time that I use them using a star it means that the entire gender spectrum is included I just don't have the words yet to to show it differently than with a star I was literally looking at some of the pictures um for like you know the the boys um day and just seeing in German the word you know like preschool teacher so kindergartner versus Kindergärtnerin, it just creates a different image by seeing yeah. the word. And it yeah. is, and I've seen where they did some tests in a classroom by changing, right, the wording. And all of a sudden, girls would feel more included because they're like, oh, they're talking to us too. So, from, yeah. but, but I understand that, you know, in order to be inclusive across all genders, you know, in some languages, it will be harder to do that than in others. Yes, and maybe you had the same experience that sometimes we got so used to having the male perspective being the dominant perspective, that when suddenly the female perspective is included as well, well, I had the experience, I was just crying because I felt seen and I was like, wow, why, like, why did I not see this before? And why did I, why had, have, have I been okay with that before? Um, so there's also, I, I've read about the same experiment and then there was, um, well, bus business person instead of businessman or businesswoman or a millionaire. And then usually a man comes up and yeah, those are the biases that we're not aware of, but that we need to be aware of in order to change something. So, you know, one more thing, I know I could talk with you for so long, <laughs> thing, <but laughs> I'm enjoying it. <laughs> you were talking about that you make decisions based on a sustainable <laughs> choice catalog and i love that concept so could you share that please well i will share is an embarrassing story because i had to go back to my tedx talk from that time because <laughs> like four years ago and i was like oh what did i say i do remember <laughs> i just i just needed to go back and see the context mm -hmm. in, in in which i've said it and you know i think i'm taking decisions now i would scratch out to questions. I will explain how, how I explained it back then. So the sustainable choices catalog is consists of three questions. The first question is, does it make the planet happy? 
The second question is, does it make me happy? And the third question is, does it make other people happy? So for example, if you're buying a new dress, you would think, okay, is it like secondhand? Is it fast fashion, slow fashion, etc.? Does it make me happy? Is it something I like? Will it make other people happy? Would be the third question. Now I would scratch out the question, does it make the planet happy? And I would scratch out the, the question, does it make other people happy? Why? Because I think if it makes you happy and if it's an authentic kind of happiness, if it's your authentic version of joy, and that means really doing a lot of inner work in order to really feel the authentic version of joy and happiness, you don't need the other two questions because then you act from a place of love and you feel that love towards all kinds of beings and you don't need the other two questions. So I think it's more about what does it make me happy, but really engaging very deeply with the question of does it make me happy and what does happiness to me, what does it feel like, what does my joy feel like, how can I follow my joy, what does it really mean and yeah so I think that's my that's my choice well not really a catalog it's just like a choice well a question <laughs> you know what I think honestly I think it is really interesting to see the progression because to me it feels like for somebody who might not have had the opportunity to do that in a work maybe that's how they indeed start with the three questions you have Absolutely. initially had and then to your point that, you know, once you really focus on what makes, you know, one really, really happy and, you know, and that that is basically inclusive of the other questions. So that's really interesting. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for asking the question, because when I was watching the TEDx talk, it was like going down memory lane as well. And it was, I felt so grateful because at that time, I didn't know if I was going to, to Mexico, if I could. And now I'm here and now I'm feeling my authentic version of happiness. And I felt a, a rush of happiness. So thank you for asking that question. <laughs> You're very welcome. Now, is there anything that we have not touched upon that you would like to share with our audience? Um, enjoy your coffee. <laughs> yeah, enjoy your coffee. Um, coffee is 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 a lifestyle. It's it's a it's connection. It's not it's not just a cup. And I think there's a lot of happiness in a cup of coffee as well. So I think that would be <laughs> my concluding phrase. <laughs> Thank you. So now, how can people, you know, read more about you? Find you on social media. Yeah, that's what I love social media for because it's such a great platform for connection. So you find me on Instagram as I am dot Ariane Vera on Facebook still as Ariane Vera Music because I'm using Facebook mainly for my artistic work on Twitter as Vera dash Ariane on LinkedIn as Ariane Vera. Um, what else is there? <laughs> you find my book worldwide on Amazon in English and Spanish and in German. It's called 100 Ways to Speak of Love. Um, and yeah, I'm just about to publish my second one. So keep watch out um, for yeah the news very soon on Amazon. And I think that's about it. Um, you can also contact me via email, contact.ariane.vera at gmail.com. And I'm always very happy to, to hear from you. So please do get in touch. Thank you. And I will be sure to put all of this information in the show notes that people can, oh, you know, be able to connect with you and find out more. And I'm curious now, can you share the title of your second book or is that a secret? I will. I will. You're actually the first one. Well, the second one. I told it to my parents. <laughs> it's, it's called The Checklist. Um, it has to do with uh, leadership, women and leadership behavior. 
Um, it has to do with the inner work in the, in the sense of um, things to not longer do in order to really do the things that you want to do and uh, stop just like ticking off things, um, but really start creating. So that's what it's going to be about the checklist wow well i look forward to reading it that's how it's really i'm going to awesome. share it with you as soon as it's there <laughs> thank you thank you well it was such a pleasure talking to you ariana thank you thank you so much it's been so enriching thank you so much for your time for your questions for the magic of this conversation and for all the work that you're doing thank you thank you i really appreciated talking to ariane there were a few quotes that stuck to my mind one of them was, there is no normal, it is all a matter of perspective. And that was when Ariane was talking about her multicultural international upbringing. The next quote was, it used to be, now it is, when she was referring to climate changes everywhere. With the things that bring you joy, you can make a difference. When Ariane was talking about how her involvement for the Fridays for the Future then led to various opportunities for her that she had not intended or anticipated. And then last but certainly not least, when Ariane gave examples how one person can make a difference. And also, since we recorded this episode, I came across an article in the Washington Post that pointed out an open letter by researchers to the Pew Research Center asking them to stop using the different types of generation labels, which I thought was really interesting as earlier in our conversation, we were trying to figure out whether Ariane was a Gen C or a millennial and so I thought that was really interesting. I will also put that in the show notes. So thank you again, Ariane, for being my guest today. Thank you so much for listening to the show. We hope you gained valuable insights and new ideas. To keep listening to future episodes, please head over to iTunes or your favorite player and subscribe and give it a rating. We would very much appreciate a review and for you to share it on social media so more people can start innovating in how they offer employment. Until the next time, goodbye.